and welcome to Entmoot, the battle games in Middle-earth podcast all about the Middle-earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. It's me, Harry, and this is episode 27 of Entmoot, and my god is it going to be an exciting one, mainly because it's a proper Entmoot. For the last few months, we've done sort of a wide range of different kind of podcasts. We've had the uh, the Prancing Patrons, which uh, there's going to be another one of those very soon as well. But uh, we've also had uh, I had I think episode 25 was was talking to Tim, the first game back after the the pandemic um, disallowed things from happening. That was great fun. And um, we've also had interviews with Ardicon, uh, James Clark from Ardicon. Did loads of different things over the last few months, and uh, even did some clip shows playing some of the old favourite interviews. But this time we're back to the old format, the actual proper episode, the way that this podcast was always designed to be. I'm going to head to a tournament for this podcast. I'm going to talk to people about the games we have and I'm going to talk to the winner and the TO of the tournament about all of the different things that have happened the last few months, about returning to gaming, about uh, putting on an event during COVID, about doing all the different things like, well, how long have you spent on this army? Four months? Yeah, well, haven't we all? Uh, So lots of stuff coming up in the podcast and I can tell you right now, it's an absolute pleasure to be able to do it again. Obviously, things are a little different and I think we all accept that it's it's an odd 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 period of time that uh, we're not really allowed to do uh, many things and and the uh, events are going to be slightly strange but it's great to be able to actually go I'm so excited to go to uh, this event this week so um so it's it's the rings of men uh, the 2020 and you may remember I did a podcast on this last year uh Barney uh, Menzies he's the he's the uh, sort of one of the co-owners of the shop seventh city collectibles which ran the event last year will champion uh, a, a regular on the podcast um after winning so many tournaments largely um he's actually hosting this he works there now and um it's it's designed in in the best way uh for a tournament for to return to gaming not a super competitive one this is the aim of the game is all pretty much uh, thematic and um actually it's a really lovely um tournament last year it was great fun um and it's got uh, some custom scenarios and it's got uh, an emphasis on theme and fancy dresses encouraged i'm not going to wear a fancy dress i'll be honest um uh, but it's exciting either way and it's it's little little special things like you've got to take nine objective markers and you've got to have a hostage uh, for one of the games so there's things like there's some there's some really smart um smart games in fact i'll have just a quick run through some of them so there's some very variants of uh, games including the elven rings which is a seize the prize variant where there are three prizes deployed across the center line of the board and you get one vp for having one in your own half three for in your opponent's half and five for carrying it off and other than that it ends in pretty much the same way so it's just a lot more vps there there's also a, a seven dwarf rings uh, scenario which is heirloom of ages past which uses seven objectives uh, rather than i think it's usually six i think isn't it um and again you just roll a one um and they're like heavy heavy items and all this sort of stuff so that, that that's really cool that's really cool they uh, they have changed that slightly so it's not the usual deployment the usual maelstrom of battle deployment because of uh, covid basically they don't want people wondering around the tables too much and all this sort of stuff and they've also done a nine rings of men one which is capture and control so you're flipping the objectives um but rather than having five or six or however many it usually is there there's nine which is 
interesting and exciting so uh, yeah lots of exciting stuff um as i say you you encourage to take a themey army um and sort of uh, it's a 650 points by the way uh, single armies uh, and it's blue on blue so anyone could be fighting anyone uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun um i'm really excited to a see many of the the people who have uh, uh, i've become great friends with over the years um of playing tournaments but also just just to roll some dice in and and have an exhausting day of playing playing games so, well, I suppose it's about time. We need to have a think about what kind of army we're going to be taking to the tournament. Let's find out. So, yes, building an army for Mordor, uh, and this very much is an army for Mordor. Now, the reason I've gone with the army that I've chosen is because um, a few episodes ago, or I can't think when it, when it was, it would have been very, very early on, I intended to take something like this to a tournament. Um, I think it was meant to be going to the Battle of By, By Walsall, uh, which is a Birmingham-based tournament, um, which um, I, I, I don't don't think I'm going to be going to anymore. Um, but because uh, it's been rescheduled and, and all this sort of stuff, and the the new restrictions on tournaments mean that uh, it's just going to be impossible. Um, so anyway, uh, let's 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 uh, focus on the army. Anyway, so the army is a, a Kirith Ungol force, and you may remember I actually asked you for your help on this. Um, I got in touch. Uh, I read out the army list and, and I did some chatting and I can't remember what else uh, was in that episode. It might have been a, a an a, a episode where I did um, one of the sort of clip sequences of, of old uh, old interviews. But either way, I asked for your advice and your help. And lots of you got in touch, uh, giving me a few tips. Um, with particular thanks to uh, uh, Jasmine Tetley and uh, Jeremy uh, Hunter from the uh, Green Dragon. So with that in mind, I've gone with Kirith Ungle. The leader is Shagrat with his fancy shield and his armour for 115 points. In his warband, I've got 11 Mordor uruk with shields. So uh, everyone's got a shield, so I had to mold, press mould a few shields, which actually proved to be very easy. Um, I've got some blue stuff from uh, uh, Green Stuff World, which I think you can get if you just search for blue stuff or... I think it's a specific plastic um, resiny type thing. You might be able to get it cheaper than Green Stuff World, but either way in Europe, it's probably easiest to get it there. Uh, either way, Mordor Urukai with shield, 11 of them. Fight 4, Defence 5, mm, Strength 4, yay! Um, you know, Courage 3, yeah, well, plus maybe a Mordor bonus. We might be lucky. Uh, so actually, I, I, you know what? I, I, I rate these guys, um, so I like a Mordor Urukai. Obviously, Defence, big weakness. Next Warband, you, you can see what's coming here. Gorbag with a shield, 60 points, bargain three points of might he's got strike he's got a great great special rule i love his uh, it's a orc brawler rule where essentially you get uh, plus one attack and plus one fight value if you're fighting more than two people not counting spear support so you charge in to two guys you get up to fight five and you get three attacks and you can drop a spear behind them as well so you still get four dice and of course a banner nearby which is just ace and at fight five you he's he's a good guy to chop through troops i hope we'll find out um and then accompanying him we've got basically the spears so we've got seven or orcs mortar orcs with spear uh four mortar orcs with spear and shield and one orc with banner spear and shield so um it's an odd combination of numbers there i, I can't remember why i've ended up with four with shield i think based on the four i, I think it's just just numbers and maths and all that sort of stuff so um that's the reason but either way that's so that's another 11 orcs with spears so they can back up all of those Mordor Rakai in the first warband plus a banner which of course is essential then uh, another warband we've got a ring wraith now I 
I took some advice in this uh, warband. I, I was encouraged to take a bit more might. I think originally I had a bit less might and maybe a bit less will as well. So I've gone with a ringwraith with two might, ten will, and one fate. So 85 points. So actually, it's, it's a good value. I mean, and you've got... What, what I think here, crucially, is you've got comfortably three black darts. And uh, if I wanted to uh, use this in, a say, an assassination game, I know there's going to be Fog of War uh, during the tournament, um, Lords of Battle during the tournament. Um, I, I believe, I can't, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're both uh, going to crop up. Um, so, uh, because this is a predetermined to- uh, tournament, all of, the, uh, all of the scenarios are in the pack. So actually, let me just quickly have a glance back because that might give you a bit more context to which games uh, we're going to be playing. So we're going to be playing Recon, Rescue the Ringbearer, which is Fog of War, um, where you get an extra hostage, um, which kind of s- sticks with you. You get three points for un- uh, capturing your enemy's uh, uh, hostage off you. Anyway, uh, there's also Domination, um, a normal Domination, I believe. Then the Elven Rings with Caesar Prize, one with the three prizes I mentioned earlier. Then we've got uh, the Seven Dwarf Rings, which is the Heirloom of Ages Past, with seven rather than six. Then uh, you've got Lords of Battle and the Nine Rings of Men, which is Capture and Control. So, so actually a few there objectives there that I think it would be very useful to have uh, a ring wraith in for two reasons. One, march, uh, two marches there, brilliant. Uh, ten will, so that's three black darts comfortably and still uh, enough to uh, you know hang around and, and give you the courage bonuses of all that sort of stuff and the stand fast, which uh, are fantastic with a courage six um, troop, uh, sorry, hero. Six? Might be six. Might be five. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, so alongside his 85 points, um, and I think I'm going to use the uh, the Twilight Ringwraith model because it's just a bit fun. I like using that, uh, cracking that old model out, uh, which I don't think has a profile anymore. So why not use the Twilight Ringwraith model? So uh, then we've got six Mordor Urukai with shields, four Mordor Urukai with bow, orc bow, sadly not Urukai bow, and one Mordor Urukai with two-handed weapon. And that guy at the end is purely because... Um, I believe the points are a bit odd. I can't remember the reason for this, but anyway, uh, I, I decided I fancied one, so that's what I'm going to do. I think, um, yeah, does it cost an extra point for the 200? Anyway, there must have been a reason for it. Maybe I just fancied, maybe I ran out of shields, so that might have been it. So either way, I've got 17 Mordorokai in total um, with shields, one with a two-handed weapon, four with bows, and 11 orcs um, with spears, uh, four of which have shields as well, and one with a banner. And then uh, that puts me up to 37 models. And I'm 90 points short, so obviously it's Shelob. It's Shelob is the final uh, edition. So I think at 650 points, this isn't half bad. I think I'm quite happy with this. So I've got, you know, I've got four bows, I've got uh, two striking heroes with three might each, I've got a ringwraith with march and two might, I've got Shelob who can just be annoying, uh, disrupt the lines and uh, assassinate stuff. The idea for this army is to have a shield wall of sorts, but not really, because I want to have a spread-out shield wall where I've got the 11 in the middle, uh, Orokai with the shields, and then 11 spears behind them, and then basically use the rest of the Orokai to just kind of spread around the edges and hope that the the in the middle it holds while the while Shelob and uh, the rest of them move around the edges and attack stuff and and just get those traps and all that sort of stuff so um 
so that's what I've got. Originally, I had um, some trackers in the army uh, instead of the Urukais with bow, but I think the, uh, this was Jeremy uh, from the Green Dragons idea. He, he suggested actually um, you should you should go with uh, you should go with Mordorux with bow because they're more useful in combat, which is very true, and I can't argue with that. So that's what I've done. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited actually. I think this is a relatively good army, and, and I, th- I had some really great feedback from the original army. And I think I've just I've really polished it a bit and actually haven't I don't think I've massively affected the quality of the build uh, in, uh, or sorry or the theme either so I think it's a better army than the one I uh, mentioned a few episodes ago but also I think it still retains that theme of having the Ringwraith there and Gorbag and Shagrat and, and Mordor Akai and the whole combination obviously this is the idea is nobody ever uses Mordor Akai so I am going to um, maybe in a Kirithungal list occasionally you might see it and, and for this tournament we're encouraged to take Themi Army so I thought this is perfect gets them out I've got my big castle that I built not so long ago what could possibly go wrong we'll find out in a few minutes time but first Riddles of the Dark Yes, it's time for Riddles in the Dark. So this is the part of the podcast where I play a clip of uh, basically usually music and uh, sound effects from the films The Hobbit Trilogy or The Lord of the Rings Trilogy. And you have to tell me who speaks next and what they say. So uh, let's let's have a hear, a listen to last episodes. Now this would be episode 25, not 26. Uh, last episode's Riddle in the Dark. Hmm. Hmm, interesting. There's a clue there. There's a bit of buzzing going on in the background. So uh, let's have a quick look at some of the emails that uh, came in over the last few weeks. Um, first of all, a big shout out to Sean, uh, Sean Sproul, um, who is a regular listener to Entmoot and came down to the Lord of the Imps tournament last year. Um, and he's, he's he's up in Dundee, amazing. It's really far away. So Scotland, uh, massive journey to come down to Lord of the Imps last year. And uh, sadly, uh, I'll talk about it a bit later on, uh, about tournaments and um, my tournament. But sadly, it's not happening this year. But um, I know Sean was really disappointed, but really very keen to come. Uh, so that will all happen again. But you've been in touch and you've said, uh, for once, I think I've been able to listen to Entmoot near its release. Riddle in the Dark this time, is it? Duh, duh, duh. Sean, you're absolutely right. First time you've entered the Riddles in the Dark, but by God, did you smash it straight away. Well done. Uh, Dave Sweeting's been in touch. Hi, Dave. Nice to see you again. Uh, nice to hear from you again. Sorry. Um, hello. Just listen to the podcast while I paint Gandalf's beard again. Uh, thanks for supplying precious audio to paint along to. Judging from the bees, yes, I hinted at the buzzing. I think it is. Dum, dum, dum. Yes. Oh, you have no idea. You, you, you've got exactly the scene. Exactly the scene. Uh, you say it's probably a dwarf that speaks next, although no idea which one. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Uh, let's go to Dan. Dan Broxham's been in touch again. Hi, Dan. Uh, thanks very much for getting in touch again. Hello! The next line is said by... Oh, yeah, this is the last email, so we might as well read it out. And reveal is by, said by Bjorn. So, you are the one they call the Oakenshield. 
I don't think that's a great uh, idea, but it could be a new list idea to try. Bjorn, Eagles and Radagast. I've never really seen Bjorn used, but looks like a great model, Dan. Thank you very much. Uh, a, well done. You've got it absolutely correct. Um, B, you're completely right. Uh, I actually listened... When I was finding the riddle for this uh, podcast, I did think, hey, actually, I'd quite like to... I'd quite like to try that out. I don't own a Bjorn. Um, I do have a, 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 a an eagle an eagle and I do have Radagast uh, and his sleigh actually so uh, I bought that a while back because it went out of stock and so one came up second hand and I thought it was a reasonable price so got that Um, yeah eagles and Bjorn and Radagast could be could be a list could be a good fun list actually I might might crack that out but sadly because of the amount the lack of tournaments at the moment means um, means building my armies is is I've got lots lots of armies I've yet to use including my Urukai army uh, I've got the um, I've got the Easterlings which are very close to being finished so oh, I shouldn't really tease ahead too much should I because uh, I'll ruin the surprise for future episodes but either way um, I, it's definitely an army I, I'm keen to do but either way um, so well done to Sean um, I, I will give Dave you I'll, you can get a half a point because you said I think it's Bil- Bilbo waking up in Bjorn's house and I think it's probably a dwarf that speaks next it isn't uh, it's Bjorn and this is what he says So there you go. Uh, that was last episode's riddle in the dark. So it's about time I tried a new one. So all you have to do is have a listen to this uh, ten or so seconds, or however long it is, um, and have a think. Can you place this in the movies? Can you place it? Work out where it is, and then work out who speaks next and what do they say. Here is this week's riddle in the dark. Okay, let's give you another listen. Here we go. Have one more listen. Okay, final chance. Here's this episode's riddle in the dark. So if you think you know who speaks next and what they say, get in touch. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com. Or, of course, you can message us on the Facebook page. and uh, Just search for Entmoot. Uh, or you can search for all the different things, Battle Games in Middle Earth. If you basically search Battle Games in Middle Earth on YouTube, you'll find me, Battle Games in Middle Earth, or or, or um, Entmoot uh, usually comes up with me as a, as a thing. So Battle Games in Middle Earth on, on YouTube, Entmoot is the audio format of me. Uh, send me a message, get in touch, podcast at gmail.com and uh, let me know and you'll get a shout out in the next episode. In the meantime, I think it's about time we put Kirith Ungle to the test. This army has been a long time coming. I am very, very excited to use this in a proper tournament. I've got seven games to play over two days with masks, uh, with all the social distancing and hand washing that's required. Uh, but all of those things aren't going to affect things for me. I just just can't wait. Um, and of course, I'll, I'll talk to people after the game and hopefully everyone's fine with uh, with talking after the game in a sort of more uh, spacious area where we can masks off. But either way, it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's head over to the Rings of Men. 
for the first tournament since COVID. So the first game of Rings of Men is my Kirith Ungle Force with Sheelob and Shagrat and everyone all getting stuck into recon uh, against my first opponent in the tournament in so many months. Uh, it's Aiden. H- how, first of all, and um, how do you feel coming to a tournament for the first time in you know however long it's been? It's really exciting to get back into it after the last six months of kind of skirmishing around and trying to get the games in when you can and it's yeah it's just nice to be back around more people yeah. at the moment you, you know you've I've made a bubble with one other person to try and game in and then that's that's it so it's nice to just see more people really yeah yeah, yeah. human beings they're all surrounding us as well I mean and, and some people are a bit more anxious about this sort of thing the groups at the moment but I think it's, it feels like everything's done relatively safely here you know we've got masks and we've got hand sanitizer and there's plenty of um, you know there's plenty of room to move around so it feels all nice and safe but um what wasn't safe potentially was the was the game. Uh, lots of violence, lots of bloodshed. And Aiden, you've brought a beautiful, beautiful thematic force. Just tell me what what the idea behind it was. And I know because uh, the because of certain rules, it's actually technically illegal, but the TOs have allowed it because it's super themey. Yeah. So the theme is leaving the Shire. So it's uh, Aragorn Strider leading the four hobbits and Bill the Pony, uh, making it thematic. Frodo doesn't have Sting or his mithril coat, and no one's got any elven cloaks or anything juicy like that. And then it's Tom Bombadil, uh, Gildor in glory, and proxied by an old Haldir, and then a bunch of Noldor in exiles. Yeah, that, and, and it's it's a lovely, lovely force. This is actually one that I've I've really wanted to use for quite a while. It's been on the, the to-do list, but I haven't got a Gildor, but actually using the Haldir. I, I'd completely forgotten that, that that's the Haldir model, so I, you, you didn't ask. I didn't care. It was all fine, and it looks beautiful. And your Tom Bombadil sat on his tree stump with a little mushroom and the beautiful yellow uh, hat and the, the sort of... Uh, the yellow boots, of course, famous. Um, it, it just, it's just a lovely thematic force. Obviously, not the most competitive force, which is fine. But actually, it's not as bad as I might have thought initially. Uh, you look at it and you think, no, that's that's absolutely terrible. Your base troops are defence three, and you've got a, a pony in there for twenty-five points, which most of the time doesn't actually do a lot. But um, the hobbits are surprisingly resilient. Even Merry and Pippin, with defence three and one fate, actually stay on the board a lot longer than you would imagine. And I think the one thing I need to learn is just skirmish more with the exiles rather than trying to just clash them straight in. That's the one thing I'm picking up on a bit more. Yeah, I think you're probably right there. But they did quite a lot of damage, a surprising amount of damage with the with the throwing weapons. And perhaps you could have stayed back one extra turn and just thrown weapons rather than shooting. But uh, let's move into the, the, uh, the scenario. It was recon. So obviously you're, you've got fast troops, but you've got... a number I suppose I've got the number advantage here so you've only got 18 guys and when you saw my force you saw 30 something orcs on the table with Shelob and big, some big hitters what what did you think did you fancy your chances in terms of the scenario well I, I, I thought from the beginning that number wise I'm not going to get many off I'm not going to get as many off at least so I thought okay I'll try and just get a few victory points in from maybe trying to break maybe trying to get just the one wound on Shagrat just to sneak a few in but uh, I think the number of bodies just blocks me off a lot of the time and I flopped the heroic actions that I needed to pass just to get that sneaky little wounded shagrat but it was a fun game and it was it was nice to use the pony for once and it actually worked yeah it did it got some fate back it gave pippin some fate back it did banners it was actually very useful but i mean in in many ways the 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 combination of aragorn um and tom bombadil 
It's absolutely filthy, isn't it? Yeah, effectively, two free mic points a turn when you've got fight six. I know I've not got Underhill, but you almost don't really need it when you've got two free mic points a turn. And keeping Bombadil right next to him just to block off anything that's actually threatening to Aragorn, just to... Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty mean when it can be. Yeah, I mean, you managed to take Shagrat out in the combat a couple of times and shrugging off my spells from the Ring Wraith, which was really useful in the turns that um, you did it. I, I managed to get one wound off when I had Gorbag in there once, um, but of course he got it back later on. I think that still counts for VPs. That's the way we've marked it anyway. Um, but either way, you can you can see the potential there. And and actually, if I hadn't been um, really cautious with Shagrat and kept him back quite far I think you'd have easily killed Shagrat after a couple of turns but it was just the weight of bodies that was blocking you off over those few turns to try and get into him yeah definitely uh, Shagrat is I, w- I was scared of Shagrat with Aragorn that's why I knew that I'd have to commit Bombadil into him for a few turns just to protect him a little bit but I think my favourite bit of the whole thing was just watching Sam bounce off against Shelob for two or three turns yeah, yeah that, <laughs> I was surprisingly surprisingly well off actually on that I thought he would die like in the first first combat, but no. Well, I, I mean, I thought going on the books that Sam would absolutely smash Shelob. Obviously, that didn't quite happen in the end, but um, it was quite thematic to see Shelob bouncing off Sam and Sam sort of rallying and trying and you know doing heroic combats to try and save Frodo that was nearby. It was a really cool game. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, it, it was very nice and nice, nice thematic list actually. Kirithungal versus Frodo and Sam over there. It was it was nice to play against. Yeah, it was it was lovely. It ended up being eleven nil to me because I did. I, I had the foresight, which I don't often do, to send four guys um, just wandering off the board. And they made it eventually, and, and you didn't quite gra- uh, get that. I think, I think maybe if you'd been um, willing to just go, right, I'm going to commit four guys to, uh, or three or four or whatever, just to run off the board, or even the hobbits uh, to run off the board, then maybe, uh, maybe you'd, have, you'd have gotten a draw or something out of it, because obviously Aragorn wasn't going to go down very quickly. But either way, it was a cracking game, Aidan, and... Uh, a wonderful start to a, to a hopefully a great tournament. Yes, definitely. Thank you. It was a nice, nice thematic start to hopefully a thematic weekend. So yes, great. Thank you. Okay, so game two. Um, I'm interrupting from a, a recorded place um, because uh, my opponent for game two um, didn't didn't fancy talking on the podcast, which is absolutely fine. This is probably the first time that's happened uh, by chance uh, by so well more that that I've asked someone and they've said no actually which is a rarity but you know that's fair enough and I think it might be because of this so uh, essentially during uh, just shortly after the game I did ask uh, my opponent who will remain anonymous because I don't think it's fair to shout out his name Um, but he uh, shortly uh, shortly after the game, I, I asked, "Oh, do you want to do you want to uh, do this? Uh, do the podcast?" And you know, I do it with everyone. And he said, oh, "No, he's fine." So fine, okay. I sort of moved on. Uh, went off for lunch. All did all the other stuff that you usually do, checking into B and Bs and all that gubbins. And uh, came back, and uh, Will Champion To came over and sort of explained all oh, this. There's a bit of a query about the last game, which I'd won. By the way, uh, I won nine three. Um which was great it was a fog of war variant it was fantastic it was against a um, goblin town army huge huge number goblin town army uh, i think it was 78 uh, with a scribe as well so more kept coming um and i chose to protect my ringwraith because i knew he would be hanging around at the back i chose to kill grinner uh, and i chose to take a uh, a random building there were quite a, a sort of about a dozen or so buildings maybe 10 or 11 or something like that buildings across the board and i uh, i managed to managed to capture it managed to capture the building killed grinner ringwraith stayed alive by the skin of its teeth uh, never got into combat so i wasn't too bothered but um the game was an interesting one uh, the Ringwraith actually did all the work, um, which I intended it to, which was excellent. It managed to take out um, Grinner after, I think it was four Black Darts in the end. Four Black Darts did it. So I, I did 
uh, I think two on two pl- uh, two on two dice or something like that, and uh, the third uh, then two on three dice something like that I can't remember six six yeah four uh, something like that it might have even been just three anyway so I managed to take Grinnell out so I got my point and I knew from then I would I was I was winning essentially um, but uh, after the game and this is the interesting point uh, there was a, a query raised about um, line of sight and in the ways for um, for Black Dart so uh, during the game um, my opponent asked me uh, what I thought he said was do you need uh, to take in the way tests for Black Dart? And I said, no, you don't have to take in the way tests for Black Dart. It's it just ignores all that. And he sort of he's like, oh, okay, didn't know that. Fair enough. Okay, fine. And then moved on. That's fine. Um, it turns out uh, he might he he asked for line of sight, or he thought he or he meant line of sight, or he said line of sight, and I thought he said in the ways. Whatever. I think there was a miscommunication either way. So one, I, either I misheard him or misunderstood him. Or he misspoke, and uh, and and I, I interpreted it differently. And he he thought I was answering a different question. Either way, he thought I was saying you don't need line of sight for magic, which obviously you do need line of sight for black dark. You need to be able to see someone. So um, this is this was the interesting bit. Um, he said, well, actually, because that Grinner was behind four um, goblins, goblin town goblins. You uh, you should have checked line of sight. And you should have been able. You, you probably wouldn't have been able to see him. And he only said this after the game because he thought that I'd said that you don't need line of sight when I'd actually meant you don't need to take in the way test. Do you follow me so far? I hope this all makes sense. Anyway, uh, we went over to the TO and, and had a chat about it. And, and I sort of said, well, yeah, OK, fair enough. If that was what the question was, I've never had anyone query that because usually, even with four things in the way, the way models bend and so on, you can see a leg, you can see an arm, you can see something, even if you're a modelized view, model eye view. And, and, I, and I've never had anyone concerned about that, so it's never come up in games so I figure fine um, he obviously uh, thought it was important it was sort of important and um, it gained me an extra three VPs um, so so we decided after going over what we thought each other had said uh, I, I sort of said well I, look ultimately it didn't make an impact on the game I'm happy to secede the three victory points I got for killing Grinner everyone's happy right everyone's okay he, I ended up winning 6-3 uh, rather than 9-3 it was fine. My opponent sort of, you know, nodded. And I, I think he thought he was a little bit cheated out of it, if I'm honest. I think that he, he wasn't happy. I think that he'd maybe because he thought that I had deliberately lied to uh, to him to try and gain an advantage during the game, which obviously, you know, I would uh, say this, that obviously I wouldn't try and do that. I don't really, I'm not really a gamey person usually. Um uh, so, so you know, I, I didn't. I certainly didn't intend to mislead him, or vice versa. And I, I'm pretty sure he said one thing, but obviously, who knows? In the uh, height of uh, tournament, wearing masks and getting all sweaty on the first day, uh, certainly uh, it, with it being table uh, top table, I suppose it might have made made an impact. But either way, uh, it didn't make an impact to the game. I ended up uh, winning, uh, having my score uh, changed to six three win. Um, which I was fine with. I still won. Didn't mind. It was fine. The ring race still survived. He was trying to kill the ring race. He lost his points for that. We both got um, the objective and uh, some terrain. So I still won. I didn't mind. Um, ultimately, it was just an odd one. And I thought I'd raise it up because um, he didn't want to talk. Um, maybe if we'd had the podcast conversation about it, we'd have been able to have a chat about that and it might have all come out in the wash, which would have been more interesting, I think. But maybe because he thought that I deliberately cheated him that uh, 
that he didn't want to chat in the podcast. Completely understand it. Either way, I had a really interesting game. I thought it was really, really, he was a great player um, and he really knew how to move his models. Um, I think he had so many models that it made it very difficult for him to actually win. And he did also play the Goblin King and Gollum pretty... uh, well pretty shyly I suppose he was a bit cowardly with them they were hanging around at the back uh, and he was trying to protect Gollum which is fine but Gollum you know he's he can just hide and skulk in the back and Goblin King can go and smash stuff so uh, yeah it was a bit of an odd odd, uh, um, decision from him there which I think if you were playing the Goblin King and 72 Goblins by God in, in Fog of War do you want the Goblin King to be smashing stuff because he, he, you're losing no points for having the Goblin King killing um, and you can easily win by throwing Goblin King into the enemy that you need to kill so anyway that that was that was all but I just thought and get in touch I'm intrigued uh, throw a comment under the Facebook post with the video of all, all the um, stuff in the tournament because I'd be intrigued at what you think do should you check for line of sight uh, for something like Black Dart in this particular instant if a goblin is behind three or four maybe well i think it was probably three maybe four um goblins in front of him is that is that always going to block line of sight to the whole model with the way the line of sight works in the game you have to see a certain amount maybe not the weapon but part of the body is fine i don't know i, I genuinely don't know it's never come up um so I, I i thought that was an interesting debate and one that i'd like to ha- hear your thoughts on because I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, there you go. That was game number two. I ended up winning at 6-3 in the end. So um, it meant that I, I was on two wins going into game number three. Game three of the Rings of Men. And we were playing Domination uh, with Kirith Ungol. And this time facing up against an army I've never actually faced up against on the podcast. But a person who I have. Uh, Aaron Pullen was my opponent. And Corsairs is the army in Domination. Aaron, um, uh, First of all, it's been a while since we've all played tournaments and things like that. Um, what's it like being back? Oh, it's great being back. I've been looking forward to this for so long. Um, and I've had a bit disappointing of, uh, you know, tournaments cancelled. I mean, it can't be helped. But, you know, this is my first tournament of the, you know, since lockdown. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited about it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think we all are. Everyone here has been just... Uh, bouncing around almost with their new stuff and and I see I, I don't know whether I, I haven't played your courses but I think I've seen the because you've got a massive pirate ship they're beautifully made they've got um, some of the guys are really high up in the rigging on the, the modelling and what, what is the army just give us an overview of generally what you've got and a bit about the modelling as well okay so um some of you might know I do go over the top on some of my modelling uh, basin of course um, so with these uh You've just got everything going on. We've got like wooden planks on the bases, uh, some holding lanterns. We've got little uh, barrels, fish, uh, that kind of stuff. Got some corsairs swinging from ropes. Um, and through lockdown, I managed to uh, create a display board of a big pirate ship. Um, and I just think they look awesome with them on the on it. So um, as a whole, the, I think the army looks really nice. Um, as for play style, I've gone for the maxing out on crossbows. Um, and so far this tournament, they've um, it's been the right choice. I can imagine you've got, what, 12 crossbows and then about five or six, or is it more reavers, about maybe 10 reavers? So um, reaver-wise, we have seven reavers, and with the crossbows, uh, there's 14 crossbows. Um, the rest is just maxed out with your bog-standard troops, um, and your two big heroes um, get quite a nice model limit in this army. Um, it seems to play quite nice. You know, you've got a lot of shooting in there on top of your throwing weapons as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. The throwing weapons uh, have, have proven very deadly, especially against Defence 5 Army largely. Um, they've, I think we probably count about seven or eight guys down, which was pretty pretty steep. But uh, domination, you saw the Army. You saw I've got Kirithungal. I've got a couple of striking heroes, big monster, and but largely, like I say, relatively low Defence Army. What, what did you think? Did you fancy your chances? To be honest, no, I didn't fancy my chances. Only reason is um, deployment-wise. Um, I knew you would deploy right up front, so that meant my crossbows would do very little and they did do very little in the game but um, I decided at one point okay let's get them into combat um, and just max out the numbers Um, I wanted my Reavers to perform well and I think they did they smashed through the middle uh, made a big dent uh, whilst the other flank kind of held out um, and I think that's what uh, swung the battle yeah, I mean, ended up, we'll tell the score now, it was 7-5 in the end, and uh, obviously domination meant, I, I kind of made an early decision to pretty much sacrifice one of the uh, one of the objectives, which just felt like it was going to be too far, I'd spread myself too thinly, you had more models than me, I thought I was on a hiding to nothing trying to get that one, but I, all, all, by accident I kind of ended up capitulating another one, so I was really hoping to get just the three objectives and, and win it out on the other things. I managed to get two of those three, but the, the middle objective didn't go well, and that is largely because of the, those reavers the, the two attacks the, the plus one to wound they just they just chop through stuff like and the fight, fight four and things like that it, they just really really churn through and I think the main issue that I had was that I got a little bit bogged down on the right because you quite rightly say you put your crossbows into combat which not everyone does but having big defense six models uh, that can shield really really slow me down yeah, that's right yeah um, I think that was the right choice putting the crossbows into um, the left hand flank um, if they died, they died. It didn't really matter. I just wanted you to thin the numbers out, um, which is fine. Uh, like I say, the middle, the Reavers uh, broke through. But one thing, I think you might have played Shelob a little bit too defensively or I thought she might be doing a bit more. Um, that's my only criticism on your, your point of uh, the game. Yeah, I, I, I'll, ta- I'll take that criticism because I, I, w- I could have perhaps been more opportunistic with um, with. Ed, for example, doing a little bit of flanking or maybe going for the character uh, D- Delgamar on the right-hand side, maybe that would have been the right choice because he couldn't strike, so I have might have taken him out in a couple of turns. But um, I, I was I was worried, because like, like, once once she gets bogged down in loads of people, she just gets surrounded and eventually chopped down, so I was worried. But And actually, that might have been the right choice because in the end, she did win me an objective. She managed to mm. storm, uh, move away from this centre back towards my objective that I'd been holding um, and that you had been sending some crossbow guys around charged into four crossbows at once which was a bit dangerous well two and then I knew I'd get at least one back managed to barge them charge one of them onto the objective and uh, managed to clinch it just in the last moment kill that one guy take out the objective claim it for her own so that that did that did help so you did have some things but actually I think Shagrat I did didn't play particularly well he was off in the wrong place he wasn't playing against the big hitters and Yes, he was taking out. I think I was attracted by the defence six guys, and I was thinking, right, send Shagrat in strength five, he'll be able to handle them. But I didn't need to kill them. No, I think you're right there. Um, it might have been better trying to go for the heroes earlier on, uh, getting rid of my might, because obviously, you know, as you know, um, if I'm winning heroic moves, I'm going to be throwing them throwing weapons. And as you know, the throwing weapons do make a big dent. I think that was um, another issue, potentially. Um, just briefly, going back onto Shelob, um, I just uh, remembered something you did, and it was uh, very good. You held one of my Corsairs through about five or six of my guys, killing a bunch of them and knocking a load down. So 
you know, um, that was a really good move, and I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's when when a low defense army like yours, uh, Shelob really comes into her own because she can win the co- combat on a couple of dice, and then just chuck. And I think I took out maybe half. Four or, four or so of the, the guys that I hit which really really did help so I, I think Shilob did alright but I think I definitely the heroes I played Gorbag badly I spaffed a load of might on a heroic combat that went wrong and Shagrat didn't go, go very well if Shagrat maybe was into the Reavers a Shagrat against a Reaver is a better chance but I, I, for some reason I just had it in my head oh I don't want those Reavers with their plus one to wound fighting against my general because that's, that's a recipe for disaster <laughs> You're right there. It's um, it's one of them. It's risky, but if it pays off, um, you're golden. Um, but then again, I think it might have been the better idea just to even thin my Reavers out because um, they did so much damage to them Reavers. Um, you needed a roadblock of some sort or it's difficult uh, you need him in multiple places um. yeah <laughs> I, th- I think what I need is a couple of shagrats really for this army list but either way and, and the ringwraith was did I mean, we should give him an honourable mention because the ringwraith was deactivating people left right and centre was doing a good job died in the last turn but by that point it was it was it was kind of a done deal to you the one the one thing I'd say is that the, the, the courage obviously of my army really did suffer once we got to the late stages you managed to pin down all my heroes uh, we were both broken or I might I might have broken a turn earlier than you and uh, my guys all ran away because one one move off went didn't, didn't go my way I don't think I'd have been able to claim it back but I might have been able to stop a couple of extra things happening or maybe get a wound off off your general if uh, if that my guys hadn't all scarpered at the last minute but Aaron either way um, unless you have anything to add it was a cracking game uh, yeah I think that was a cracking game me too um, the only other thing I'll say if it went on for one more turn um, I had three objectives uh, one Corsair on each of them um, and quite potentially they could have ran and it could have been a game changer that is a very very good point and one I will cling on to <laughs> going into the next round it's uh, two wins and a loss today but Aaron is on three and riding high in this tournament Rings of Men the first one back it's great Game number four of the Kings of Men, and we're playing Seize the Prize, but a slightly different uh, variation of Seize the Prize called The Elven Rings. This is where you've got three prizes uh, sort of equally separated in the middle, all worth exactly the same amount of uh, VPs, but uh, it, I suppose it balances the game out ever so slightly. Uh, I've got my Kirithungal team that you already know about, and I'm playing against Jason Hounslow. Hello, Jason. Hiya. Hey, so uh, we have played before. I can't remember whether we spoke uh, on the podcast, though. Um, first of all, what's the army? And tell us a bit about it. And also, uh, what about the last four months? How has it been not being able to come to tournaments, playing as many games? How's hobby life been? Yeah, well, I've um, I brought uh, Erebor Reclaim list. And uh, I basically brought it because I've done some conversions and I just wanted to be able to use them. So I've uh, converted a Dwalin on goat and a Thorin on goat. And, uh, yeah, I did speak to you last time, and it was after the battle companies where I'd done all of those conversions. And yes, yes, I remember. I wasn't sure whether we'd spoken because I thought I knew we'd played on the battle companies tournament. I couldn't remember whether because uh, I didn't speak to people on the first day. I couldn't remember whether it was first day or second day. I think we might have, might have ended up playing twice then. Uh, either way, so you've got what? It's an Iron Hills list. You've only got um, two goats plus two goats with the heroes on them um, but it's obviously an Iron Hills list without the added bonus of blisters or, or uh, chariots or any of those funky things how do you think this army builds uh, compa- compared to the more common build I suppose well I've, I only just got this army in lockdown so I've not really uh, played as the the more common build but the main main reason I picked what I picked was just because 
it's well, it's the conversions I did, and I, I, want, I needed to find a way of using Dwalin, and so. And, and the combination you've got here is pretty filthy. It's got you know a free heroic combat from Thorin every turn, and a free uh, heroic move from Biffa every turn, which is really nice. Once he's done some damage, I suppose that's the thing. Uh, so we're playing Seize the Prize. And um, what did you fancy? How did you fancy your chances? Obviously, slightly slower moving army against a bigger uh, horde of orcs, uh, including Shelob. How did you, what did you think when you came up against me? Well, um, basically, I, I gave up on one objective just straight away. And I tried to get Dwalin and a goat over the left one to try and protect it. And then the main bulk of my army to go up the middle. Because the left one was in a, a piece of terrain that meant that I could defend it with just the, the two. And it started off, it didn't look like it was going to go so good when Dwalin got transfixed straight away. And then I had to use some might just to win a combat so he didn't get his goat killed straight away. I think if it had gone slightly uh, differently the first couple of turns, you'd have smashed through that side. But yeah, a couple of well-placed transfixes. Um, uh, I managed to drain uh, Dwalin's might, but sadly, I, I didn't actually really kill anything for almost the entire game. Shelob got an early kill, uh, and then it took maybe three or more turns to get any more kills, and then like one kill in the remaining uh, ten or so turns. I mean, it... It, I really, really struggled to crack the uh, the armor, and you know I've got quite a lot of strength four in the army, but even so, it was it was really difficult, and and I guess that's that's what the the difficulty was for me, and it, it made it tricky for me to move on. Yeah. So as soon as, as soon as I camped on that left one, you, you didn't get too close to it, I don't think. And then the, the center one you got to first, but with foreign three heroic combat so I managed to get around the side and eventually killed the the one with the prize of Thorin. And yeah, and, and I think what what was really tricky from from that point on, you were you were really draining my might. I mean, you got free heroic combats and free moves every turn. So I was quickly out of might with um, with Gorbag. The Ringwraith as well had lost all its might, and and I think the the issue was the threat from the heroic combats from Thorin made me think, oh, are you going to charge me with Shagrat? Should I, should I strike this turn? Should I not? And, and it's so do or I don't, I, I'm screwed because I've spent the might on the strike. You're not going to charge me when you're striking. But then if I don't strike, you charge me, you've got the higher fight and you've got an Elven Blade and you've got uh, D3 wounds with, with Orchrist. So it was pretty cruel, pretty cruel. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's the way it goes. It, it was a really tough, I, I, I'll be honest, I struggled. It was a really tough game. Um, but obviously that's, that's down, to, down to an excellent build on your behalf. Uh, we ended up, because of the way the army scenario worked, I can't remember exactly my score, but I got five and you got 15, is that right? I think, yeah, you got five for getting off the board edge with Shelop with one of the prizes and I got 14. So so either it's a resounding victory to you and I suppose interestingly that this is exactly how why the scenario has been built and added to this way because it makes it a little bit more balanced because if I'd have managed to get Shelob straight into the middle uh, and get that objective I've got the speed over you and I had a march as well so I might have been able to wangle it a bit quicker I might have been able to rush off and I'd have somehow won this scenario but I think this has actually balanced the scenario out by having these extra two objectives do you think? Yeah I think if there was one in the middle you could have had your whole whole army in the march range whereas you separated to get all three in this one so it did 
it did it did mean that I could just give one up and just go for two and try and try and do it that way. Yeah, I think I'd have had all my striking heroes in the centre. You'd have had all your striking heroes in the centre. It'd have been a bit of a, a cluster fuck in the middle, <laughs> and uh, we'd have it might have gone either way. But as it turned out, it was a, a resounding victory to you, Jason. You're heading up the tables, and I've been getting my scorecard has been progressively worsening over the day. So I started with plus something VPs, and now I'm conceding 14 VPs. But either way, uh, pleasure to play you again, Jason. Nice to see you after all this time, and uh, good luck in the rest of the tournament. Cheers, you too. Excellent. Game number five of Rings of Men, and we're playing a slight variant of Heirlooms of Ages Past, where um, you have a recon entry, so it's not Maelstrom of Battle, uh, so your guys all come on from the back um, slowly, and then uh, we had an extra objective as well to try and pick up for uh, things. So it's a seven dwarfs' rings, uh, as you may have noticed, uh, thematic um, numbers involved in all of the the, uh, the objectives so far in the games. I'm playing against Joe, and Joe has a army of Thrall and Thrain and uh, dwarf captain. Um, you've gone with a whole dwarf battle line, quite a lot of models. And um, when you saw my um, Kirithungal army and in this kind of army, uh, this kind of setup, what did you think about it? What was your do you fancy your chances? I suppose. Yes, I would say so. Simply because I wound you a lot easier than you would wound me back, and I would fancy my heroes versus yours. Um, she loves a problem, though. <laughs> I was concerned about her hurling down that line and then you're, when you're getting traps that could turn the tide a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I never did get the chance to do the, the big hurl. You were quite uh, sh- uh, sort of sneaky in the way that you, you kind of kept Shelob out. But I, I got a few crucial things which, which Shelob managed to do. The movement was really useful but um, I think actually probably the thing that um, won the game for me um, was the fact that I rolled a six on the uh, objective in the middle so it became much more ab- about me moving away and you kind of churning your way through as as board went on had it had it started somewhere else in the the field it might have been a little bit di- different but I mean it was it was really interesting and because there was a lot of toing and throwing throughout the game in terms of I, I thought I had it in the bag as soon as that happened but then of course you're, you're, strangely, I, I was relying on myself to quarter to, to yeah. end the game as yeah, soon as yeah. possible. But dwarves weren't dwarves were dying, and the orcs weren't. And it was like this is all wrong. It's all backwards. Yeah, that that concerned me. That for everyone I killed, you seemed to be killing one back, which wasn't in the game plan. Um, you held up Thrain, which is the my big killing hero um, with the ringwraith, which on, it was stuck on a bridge, which for three turns two three turns which didn't help um, throw was good his six inch banners very helpful but um, yeah trading one for one with orcs <laughs> with dwarves wasn't wasn't part of the plan yeah yeah. I, mean, I think I, I was quite lucky in terms of how many things I killed I actually only just pipped you to the broken which was uh, which I suppose was uh, in the scheme of things could have been what it what won me the game because um, it was only a couple of turns at the end but I, we'll walk it through because uh, Anur Kai get, went and got the objective with his mate was carrying it as far away uh, back because it was a heavy object in this one as well rather than light object as usual um, and he, he sort of waddled his way to the back but it, it was all it, it, it was all kept basically came down to the last few turns where I was hiding and you were trying slowly to get closer to him to and just wait basically until you won the pr- priority so he'd run away and, and it took two turns but you, mani- you managed to get there so you pinned Shelob down uh, the only hero nearby that I could use to stand fast for and he, he ran away in that very last turn and you were just about close enough to, to level it out but it ended up being sort of 3-2 uh, on the objective so really incredibly close but um, 
yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't, I guess I don't know how I could have made it a bigger victory because it, it, it did feel like most of the game I, I had a kind of ha, had the lead almost, and I was just waiting to die. Yeah, I think, I think you are always. I was always going to break you. Yeah, that was, I think that was always going to happen. Like so, cause it's easier for me to kill. So, if he'd have not ran away when he had the objective, that would have increased the score. But other than that. Uh, you still got your banner alive. Shagrat got wounded by a throwing axe from a grim hammer and yeah. failed all three feet. <laughs> yeah, the last, very last uh, uh, round of combat, pretty much, he, he got charged. And uh, he, although he dispatched the, uh, the the offending grim hammer, I did. I, 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 Looked in despair as I rolled ones and twos for for my three fate one after the other. I suppose the banner is the real hero in the way because uh, Gorbag got a, a cheeky heroic combat off to pin down your banner. Um, I think it was the next turn I actually killed it, but either way, it got me into the position to make sure that I could do that. But my banner just he just survived every every round of combat for um, about three or four times in combat. I was quite lucky in the sense that I most of those times I had someone that had backed into him, so I would have been able to hand it off most of the time. But even so, he actually survived himself so it meant there were just more orcs in the middle but I suppose in, 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 on the, in the other hand if I'd have if he'd have died I would have quartered earlier and then may, may, I'd have, might have been fine with the objective anyway so it might have all been fine but either way Joe it was one of those games where um, it, nothing ha- happens uh, I suppose that's the problem with dice games isn't it nothing happens exactly how you plan it but it certainly worked out uh, for me in the end even though it was a very narrow vic- uh, victory but it's a cracking game any, any points that I think we missed? Uh, other than mentioning that Gorbag was the MVP by a mile, because he killed you the banner which got you the win, and he also killed a Erebor captain when he rolled trip sixes to wound him and once it took him out in a turn. Yeah, this, this was like the first turn, wasn't it? Or like pretty much the first. And I, I, I proceeded. Yeah, and I preceded the um, uh, this the game saying, "Oh, Gorbag's been pretty naff every game so far, so I wouldn't be too worried about him because he's, you know, he's got two two wounds and one fight. He's a bit crap." Uh, and then he proceeds to charge into two guys. He's got the fight five, so uh, I struck up. I thought, "Oh well, I might might get a wound off the dwarf captain." And my plan actually was to send Shagrat in to so that he could get his uh, might back from the blood and glory thing. Uh, but then uh, Gorbag proceeded to outdo Shagrat in a very thematic way and go, well, three sixes will do it, three sixes will do it. So, I mean, my heroes have performed brilliantly. Uh, they've done exactly, they churned through the troops and Shelob did, did the things, you know, killing the right guys at the right time. Uh, and, and the Ringwraith was pretty essential in holding, A, holding up Thraw for, uh, Thrain for a couple of turns, then actually kind of holding up Thraw in the sense that I charged him in and went with a defense eight guy. And uh, yeah. Charging Shelob as well. Yeah, the Har- Harbinger played into it a couple of times as well so so uh, yeah my heroes did exactly what they did and and actually in many ways the troops didn't qu- if they're the ones who failed me because they didn't die quickly enough <laughs> yeah. needed some more uh, suicidal orcs but yeah and, and even with uh, with stabbing and and you know uh, all that sort of stuff i still i still couldn't quite uh, couldn't quite get the uh, the, the loss but <laughs> or the losing the combats but either way joe it's a funny game um, a pleasure to play you and yeah uh, good luck for the rest of the tournament yes, and you thanks a lot cheers for the game cheers Game number six of the Rings of Men, and we're playing Lords of Battle. Nothing changed about this one, just a standard Lords of Battle. Uh, a tricky scenario, um, especially when you're facing up against a lot of Rohan bows, and that's what I was doing against my opponent, Tom Wag, who uh, I think you've been on there a couple of times on the podcast now. Uh, this is probably the third time, so at least. Uh, Tom, so I mentioned Rohan. What's your army? You've done, come with something slightly different, I suppose. Now Gamling's been nerfed, maybe. Is that playing into it? Tell me, tell me about it all. Um, I don't know. I was just looking at doing and trying a new different army, um, and I thought I'll try Fedrid's um, guard because I don't know if Fedrid's interesting. I've expected him 
to die in a lot of games because he has to charge. He's yet to die for his six games, so he's doing all right. Um, but yeah, the throwing spears being throwing spears both being able to be thrown and use a spear support really make their two points worth it, especially if you get a, a turn where you have a good like throwing turn and then you can have a shield wall to crash into next turn. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you've got the uh, Grimbold and his Helm, uh, Helmingus, isn't it? So they've got the strength four. You've got the fight five off the, uh, the the Royal Guard as well occasionally. So, I mean, there's a lot going on in this, but actually it works really well, even with Elfhelm. And, and you've done a smattering of Riders of Rohan and Royal Guard as well. So you've got the cavalry bonuses as well. Yeah, I thought I'm, I've got 12 Royal Guard through the list. So it's about 30 army, but I think it works as a theme because I'm assuming Ferdred would have some Royal Guard being the prince, so it's not like I've overdone Royal Guard just because they can be fight five on the charge when they're on horses. And I'm gonna say, um, Elfem's cool with his throwing spear as well, that's yeah. even better. Although I have a feeling that he don't, didn't do a great deal of work in this uh, thing, he might have killed the odd orc here and there, but not a massive amount of work done by him. Uh, not really, I think Grimbold did worse though, just <laughs> fighting. Yeah, I think he didn't, he, he didn't win once. Uh, oh, he did win once at the end and failed to wound. Yeah, yeah. when he's got plus one to wound and can potentially do two wounds, it can be devastating. He has killed, that was against Gorbag, and he did one turn at Gorbag earlier in the tournament, but this time, free heist. Yeah, exactly. And uh, when you when you came up against Kirithungal um, list in, in Lords of Battle, I mean, I'm guessing you thought you'd had a good upper hand because I've only got a few bows, is that? Yeah, there is that, but there was also a lot of defence fives, so that really helped. Um, other Kirithungal lists have like a Moran and Orc front line sometimes and well a little bit just I know that's not as themey but some people have do have defense six uh Shelob didn't really manage to get in a good position which probably hampered yeah I, I think I, I deployed behind a building because I, I was worried about shooting the first turn and then I ended up just basically being behind the line there was kind of a bottleneck in the middle with two massive buildings just do- dominating the whole board um, I had to kind of deploy in between them that's probably about a foot and a half in between them and then um, we basically I just got caught behind everything so I managed to get a one charge off I think but um, I think I might have even lost that and uh, and then I just got one dice in every combat since then so it wasn't she really didn't do this and considering there's there's all the cavalry that I could potentially have done a couple of hurls and knocked some stuff down you were you were cautious though you, you kept you kept your distance and made sure you were doing the charging yeah it's sort of like that's always best in lots of battle like when you've got some cav you need to charge and like if you have more shooting missiles you want to get the early kills Especially when you're playing against Mordor and there's similar numbers and you don't want them to have the re-roll ones in combat because that can bite you. And yeah, and, and I think those few first uh, early turns, they actually really worked out well. I think the first, very first turn you took three guys out with spears and, uh, and, and stuff. And then it, made, it was about probably ten or so before... I'd, getting there, getting, certainly getting close to ten before we'd even clashed. So like you say, that, that gave me lost my slight number advantage and then I'm, I'm trying to spread my line quite thinly and yeah it, it was tricky first turn of combat you you were broken after the first round of combat like every combat someone died whether it was you or me like I won a few more than you did so but you're already on lower numbers and then you're pretty much broken after the first round of combat which is quite rare in a game yeah yeah and luckily I, I, n- nobody ended up running away but it didn't really matter because you've got so you got, had so many guys by that point I mean I, what did I only kill about 
seven or eight plus a few horses so um, yeah ten, ten in the end uh, um, including the horses and so on but uh, Lords of Battle obviously so you've got something like thir- what was it 37 and I've got 14 kills so uh, 14 points on the leaderboard I had one chance uh, to maybe maybe not not exactly swing the game but get a, certainly score some VPs and that was a, a, a well timed charge by Shagrat into Theodred. Um I decided not to strike may have been the wrong idea you didn't strike either so it was not a big deal I'd charge so but then of course you sent in your rider to to get the counter charge so I really needed to win that and um, basically spaffed up all my uh, uh, might on that turn and uh, the next turn there wasn't any might left and that was kind of it and uh, he's lost most of his wounds you've gained all of the the kills it, it kind of fell apart from there yeah um, he lost the roll off basically in that combat that was it. if it went the other way then Fairdred probably gets wounded yeah. or you go for the horse I don't know yeah, what I, I think in that situation with, with Fairdred I'd have, got to, I'd have gone with a rider uh, trying to get the VP kills but because I could have taken him out in one go I mean I'm strength five so it's, you never know you've only got one fate haven't you so it's it's not no, it, could, it could have it could have been uh, even so it would have been a what a 9-0 to you anyways a 9-2 or something like that so uh, either way uh, Tom always a pleasure playing you I would struggle against you I don't know why I, we, I, I feel like uh, I've, I've got I need to yeah yeah You've, you've definitely impressed me over the last couple of years. Uh, you've, you've gotten a lot better um, than me. Certainly, I've not progressed anywhere near as much as... Uh, our first two games were super close. Um, and you were using a very niche army in those first two games we played with your Birder and the Spectre mm. back when they was probably a slightly better army. Yeah, yeah. When I had Birder, uh, Dwimmer Lake and the Witch King and some trolls and stuff like that. And they did go well. I think I probably had some good scenarios back in those games. But either way, uh, since then, you've definitely uh, you've smashed me almost every time. And it's uh, a good... 9-0 to you today Tom and that means send you sending it up to the top tables uh, so good luck in the final game Just I, I hope for a podium it's what I've been going to tournaments I've not podiumed in the tournament yet so if I can do that it wasn't the aim at the start of the weekend because it was meant to be Femi and fun but the army has performed a lot better than I initially initialed with Fedrid thinking he was just going to charge in and get killed a lot um, but now with one game to go there's chance of first but podium would is is what i hope from after the last game fantastic good luck tom hopefully we'll be talking to you at the end of the tournament uh, as the winner of the rings of men we'll find out so final game of rings of men and uh, it's a capture and control variant where there are nine nine yes nine objectives uh we have to flip over uh, in the usual style but one vp per uh, objective i was playing against chris and chris has brought a, a thematic lothlorian army tell me about your army chris um so it's just trying to base it on the kind of three brothers of lothlorian um so i've got haldir rumil um unarmored haldir a lot of pajama elves and uh wood elf captain to go as orifin so the third brother um too many in pyjamas. I think I needed a lot more with armour or else it was just not going to go any other way, really. But, um, yeah. But, and uh, how has it done so far? I mean, you mentioned too many pyjamas. They're obviously, they're, they're, you get more numbers with that, but uh, obviously the downside of the, the toughness rate. Yeah. It's not been too bad. Um, we've got, had quite a few fairly low-strength armies, so Goblin Town, Spiders. Um, so they seem to be okay. Um, lots of shooting, taking quite a few, ba- a few out. But... Um, yeah, it's just when it gets into the combat, which it always ends up being, it's just too squishy, really. And, and obviously in this game, you've, you've got uh, Kirith Ungle. There's a, we're relatively low defence comparatively for shooting as well. Uh, we've got a lot of guys, but, you know, what did you think? What do you think when you saw Shelob and Shagrat and the friends? Well, obviously when you see Shelob, it's, it's a big big piece that you think, oh, God, that's going to that's gonna hurt me. Um, Shagrat is, well, is a beast at killing things, um, but... 
it's just trying to um, keep Shilob out of the way. And I think I was just most worried about Shagrat walking straight through my lines, which is exactly what he did. So. Yeah, I mean, he, there wasn't really anything that stopped him. Once Rumil um, took a, a t- he took a couple of turns, I'd immobilised him a couple of times so his parry couldn't uh, work, and uh, I did a couple of strikes, but I got my mic back, which is the first time, last game, first time in the tournament, I managed to actually kill a hero of Shagrat. Uh, then he was, like you say, he was just wading through stuff. Um, the, the score in the end was 7-4 to, uh, to, to me, because so, I got most of the objectives, essentially. And what, what do you think went wrong for you, I suppose? I think if I'd have tied you up a bit more in the middle and tried to just run around, because um, the elves with elven cloaks, kind of, they can hide around out of the way. Um, but I think focusing too much on Shelob, trying to focus too much on holding the objectives in my own half when I should have been running straight for you rather than uh, sitting back and waiting for you to come to me, which is exactly what happened as well. So. Yeah, I, I think you, you're quite right. You, you're focusing on different elements. That, that, that I think you spread yourself a bit too thinly. Um, like you say, you mentioned Shelob. She was a massive distraction, but she also held two objectives nicely and took off about eight or eight or so uh, um, guys out of the central line. And in the meantime, the rest of my army was churning through one warband. And then by the time the other warband arrived, there was very little left. So it was it was relatively uh, simple for, for me to do. But you did break through. And I think if you had a bit of extra time, there are a couple of objectives here at the back that you took one, you could have t- maybe taken the other. But again, actually, Shelob, Shelob was sat on one objective. You had uh, three guys trapping Shelob. When you could have sent one or two to another objective, and Shelob can only protect one of them at a time because you've got three guys there. So it might, it might, that might have been different, but either way, I don't think it would have impacted the game. But um, also, Haldir was, was surprisingly um, wimpy, I suppose. <laughs> he, he, was, he was shooting, which is good, but he's also your only striking hero, and you kept him out of combat. How, how come? I was just I was relying more on Rumil because obviously defense seven heroic defense um, he's a bit more of a, um, a bit more of a kind of a tank but and Haldir obviously if you get any wounds on him it's it's points your way um, so sticking him back with some um, with some bows and just trying to take some pot shots is is probably the better way for him because he's got the might if he's trying to take a hero out it makes it a bit easier and then accuracy obviously any sort of in the ways just makes it makes it a bit easier but I think Haldir in pajamas is a bit is a bit more scary to go wading into the front lines even with strike and strength and stuff yeah, yeah I, I actually I'd completely forgot that he's not wearing his armour or, or anything like that so yeah he was a bit more uh, more squishy I suppose but but yeah I guess because he's fight six with the extra strike as well I, I was thinking oh if he gets in here Shagrat could be really in trouble because I just won't win any combats against him he, I've only got a few strikes and but yeah I suppose all, all it takes is one combat to go wrong for you and then yeah he's pretty much uh, smeared on the pavement by, uh, by Shagrat and his big shield but um, other than that I, I thought it was a really interesting game lots of movement lots of uh, kind of uh, shooting and things and also a different a different kind of list. You don't often see Lothlorien armies with so many wood elves. I, I'm, I'm guessing from what you were saying, that too many pajamas. That you're not convinced by its uh, its theme, though. No, I think kind of if there was a few more boards with some more scenery, it might have been a bit more interesting. But there are so many armies that don't take shooting. It kind of isn't really much point. I think the only bonus is being able to take throwing weapons, and and even then, I didn't take too many of them. Um, but yeah, no, I think more armor is always better, and taking the th- taking the Gladrum shields is probably the best way to go. But it's a good learning experience, and I think the sen- Sentinels were a good take in this anyway, because with um, too much faffing around with the songs <laughs> was the only way to go, really. I think. And, but yeah, I think I think you're right though. The, the Sentinels were brilliant, but um, maybe because there were three Sentinels, might have been a bit of overkill. Maybe two would have been better, and then you could have had a couple more elves. I don't know. Uh, either way, Chris, it was a pleasure to play you for the fa- for the last game as well. And uh, even though I, I, I won seven five uh, seven four, sorry. Uh, you, you played it really well. I think there was only a couple of things that you could have really done to change it substantially. I think it, it was just, like you say, they're too squishy. They're too squishy. Yeah, no, no. Thanks for the games. It was really good. Yeah.
Excellent. Thank you very much. The winner of the Kings of Men, Aaron Pullen, who we played, of course, earlier on in the tournament and lost to. So I don't feel so bad about having uh, having lost to the winner of the tournament. And just remind us, because I think we spoke, we did speak about your Corsair list uh, earlier on in the podcast. But um, just remind us exactly what it is and what it is about your army that, that you think has done so well. Uh, so with the Corsairs, um, my general rule was to max out on the crossbows. Um, that'll help me to take out the heroes, uh, anything mounted, um, which then allows my normal troops to just uh, mop up, swarm. I mean, I've got all the firing power in the list. Um, I think over the weekend, my list probably had the most shooting, I would say. Um, combined with the throwing weapons, very lethal. Um, obviously I do have the Reavers in there just a small amount just so I can uh, you know give that extra punch or if I need to stop some terror causing uh, model you know they're there without having to take the courage tech um, they did help me out a lot yeah, as you said, there's quite a lot of combination there that, that just helps. And, and actually, a lot of the um, objectives, a lot of the games in this tournament had a lot of objectives. Not just, you know, the, you, your usual one or two or, or, or five or six or whatever, but like nine and seven. And I suppose having a big horde of guys like you did, but also quite punchy guys, really helped help that in terms of winning a lot of the games. Was that, was that part of the plan or was that just a happy accident? <laughs> um... A bit of both, I'd say. I mean, most of my Corsair lists, I do try and max out on the numbers. So um, I believe numbers win games for me anyway. Um, having an extra dice rolling, you know, you're going to get them sixes when you've got the numbers, basically. Um, and it's just a bonus having all these objectives. Um, I can essentially split up my force and uh, grab them objectives. So. Yeah, and, and I suppose because your army doesn't rely on one big hitter, for example, you know, some that have, I don't know, an Azog or an Aragorn or, a, or, or whatever, or a Shelob, for example, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't rely on that, so therefore you're, you're able to split things up and, and, you know, tackle people from different sides. I guess that, that really helps. Oh, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and a good counter is, like I say, with the crossbows, um, I found myself quite a few times just tagging, like, the big heroes or the big monsters just with one lone guy and um, just shoot into combat, you know, and it just prevents their, you know, big point hero or big monster from doing nothing all game. It just uh, ties them up and uh, it just works for me. Yeah, and, and it... They are a, a, they're definitely a competitive force, and one that I think perhaps has flown under the radar for a while in the new edition. Um, I think probably because people saw the change from the old Reavers into the new Reavers, they, they kind of perform a very different function now. But, but they are, they're, they're pretty powerful. Do you, do, you think, I mean, I, do you think people just have not picked up on how powerful they are, or, or am I just missing them and not seeing them very often? It's funny you say that. That was one of the reasons I've started to collect this army because um, I've never seen them. They're very rare. Um, get a little bit of talk about them, but no one seems to be taking them. I thought, right, I'm going to give them a go. Um, I know Jay Claire's used them uh, a couple of times. He's done well with them. I thought, oh, well, I'm going to give them a go now. And um, I seem to be yeah, working well with them. I know you're relatively local to, to Jay. Has he given you some tips? <laughs> he hasn't, no. <laughs> uh, I, I, suppose, I wonder where you're at the top table, so you never know. You never know. But um, also, let's talk briefly about your um, 
uh, your, your conversions and, and your pirate ship and the display board and everything like that um, because it, it is outstanding and I've, I've spoken to you a number of times about different armies you had spiders and you have Rivendell Knights that are absolutely gorgeous and quite ostentatious as well um, uh, do, you, do you enjoy that part of the hobby uh, more than gaming because it seems now that you're riding high and winning a lot of tournaments or certainly um, placing uh, quite highly in tournaments which, which one's more fun? Hmm. Um, I would say I'm a mix of both. I want to perform well, but I also enjoy um, collecting an army uh, that I can, uh, how do I put it, go to um, the extra length to make them stand out from the other armies. Um, And you always get a good response from people, and um, I think it it attracts people to um, the force, uh, basically. Um, But also, like you say, um, I'm trying to get more competitive in this uh, GBHL, so... Everything's going going well, and and on the uh, response, you, you narrowly missed out on both of the theme awards as well. By from what Will said, only one or two so votes. So, and and they are an outstanding army. They look amazing, and to come first with them must just be uh, icing on the cake, I suppose. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, like I say, this is the first tournament that I've come in first place, so I'm uh, very pleased. Um, it's been a great weekend. Um, yeah, yeah, it's been good. Yeah, continue at the first tournament back as well for many months, and, and you win it. It's 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 a it's a good it's a, si- a good sign of things to come, I suppose. Oh, it definitely is. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, the future events coming up, and um, we'll see how that goes. Um, got to figure out my next project. Yeah, next. <laughs> oh, watch this space, Aaron Pullen. Uh, well done on the event win here at the Rings of Men. Thank you. Cheers. It's it's the Rings of Men. I think I've probably said it's the Kings of Men in previous uh, uh, interviews, but it is the Rings of Men, and this is the first tournament in the GBHL um, since March. Obviously, it's been a long time um, for us to not have tournaments and things. Will Champion is the TO here at the Seventh City Collectibles. Will, uh, how do you feel having hosted the, the first event back after such a long and unusual time? Absolutely paggered. Um, it, it's been really, really good fun. Everyone's been very well behaved, and I think generally the atmosphere was happy to be back. Um, obviously, things are a little bit different than how they used to be, but that's that's just the way it goes, um, and we can adapt. Um, it's been really, really nice to see some old faces back and sort of doing what we all like to do the best. Um, but yeah, I'm very tired now. Yeah, I mean it's it's a seven seven game tournament as well. The first one back, which is which is exhausting at the best of times. But actually, after after a many month gap without doing anything like this, it's been tricky. And of course, we're all enjoying ourselves, having some bevs on the Saturday night as well, which makes us even more tired on the the Saturday. But just just give us uh, give us an idea about the tournament um, for those who don't know, because it's it's quite an unusual one. There's uh, as we've been going through the podcast, there's been loads of queries about the number of objectives. It's just huge. There's like nine and seven, and there's obviously a theme behind it. Yeah, so so this is actually Barney's baby. Um, he ran this for the first time last year, and his his aim for this event was to basically do something completely different and very fun. Um, I think if you if you could liken this tournament to another one, it'd be in the sort of seven stones category of like everything is for maximum fun, and and that's that means unique objectives, unique scenarios with lots of special rules and cool things like that. Um, which will inevitably bring up some queries, especially because 80s tend to draw some less experienced players or more casual players who will be less thorough with the rules. Um, But there's the caveat to that in that, I mean, no one's played for, what, six months now nearly, or, well, near enough. Um, So I think there's a little bit of ring rust, and because it's quite a unique um, and fun um, tournament, 
it, it's sort of brought up a few queries through, but I've, I've puzzled my way through it. It's been really good fun. Yeah, and, and actually, it offers some um, some of the more competitive players um, some unique ch- ways to build their lists because we know the scenarios in advance. We know uh, exactly. I say we as if I'm one of those. Uh, we, know, we know the scenarios in advance. Uh, we know how many objectives there are. We know actually a lot of these scenarios kind of need a lot of models and a lot of movement as well. Yeah. So what's interesting about the current state of the game is if you go to a basic event one of the main things people will do is it, it, it's the sort of pool system and so you will have like a fighty one from the fighty pool from the the move pool like, i don't know what the names are um the objective pool um and and so you, you kind of know that you need a, an army that's got good uh, width and you can sort of take on all comers as it were um and i i can kind of flip-flop between those of which i prefer um this one's slightly different and if this was a competitive event you'd probably see some pretty similar armies where the the sort of the onus is on lots of objective and lots of board control then more people would take larger armies i think that was countered a little bit by the fact it's an 80 and there's definitely more emphasis on bringing the coolest thing you can um and and put a lot of work into making it awesome as opposed to try and win the event which is always good and i think almost everybody here um took that took that on 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 the chin well i say say like it's a bad thing i think people really got into the spirit of it that's that's a much better way of putting things uh, yeah, yeah you're right you're right there are there are um uh, people who obviously bought uh th- like the, for example the the bombadil fellowship thing which is brilliant and and you know lots of people have got the theme but but actually some of the the, the higher end tables have done both uh, with a plum i might say yeah, absolutely. And when I do the sort of summary post with the standings, I'd, I'll really highlight the fact that the people that podiumed the event and did really well were were runners up or very close chasers to things like the best theme. So um, Aaron, the fellow who won it, brought an awesome Corsair list, and he scratch built a pirate ship with a resin ocean, and it was absolutely phenomenal. And it, it's a bit of a shame for him that he didn't win best theme. I know he won the event, so he's over the moon anyway. But to miss out on best theme by one point is you know obviously a little bit disappointing for him but then you look at the person that did win it and it was just as awesome and it was this beautiful sort of road to rivendell list with all of the the characters and i mean the the army was completely hamstrings to to sort of favor theme over chance of winning and that's exactly what it said in the rules pack like that's what we want um, so it was nice that he sort of was rewarded for his efforts yeah yeah i think that that's probably why he pipped it to the post because the corsair list is a hard it's a hard army to face. It's tough. Um, it looked beautiful on the table, and God, it, the some of the guys dangling from the rigging and all that yeah, sort of stuff was is it's amazing. But uh, yeah, they, I, I can see why people have voted for for Aiden's one because the the theme was was there, and he'd clearly done that despite knowing fully well that it's probably not the best army in the in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And then another example of that would be um, our second place podium, which was uh, Dan the Mummock Man Entwistle. Uh, so he dusted off his mummock and brought it down, and he he would have finished in third place, um, but he he won most sporting. Um, that again, that was another tie. It shows how sort of popular some of the players were in the way that you know the ethos they brought to the event. Um, in that Aiden, the winner of best theme, was also tied for most sporting, um, and the best way that we can sort of find a conclusion for that is the person who did the best while being the nicest would win the award which you know it's been done many times before at events because it's the best way to do it um but that also re- rewarded dan because it gave him the two extra tournament points that took him from third to second mm. which is like if that's not proof that being sporting and being a decent player 
like isn't the best thing ever then I don't know what would be the best yeah, I mean, and that's a fine example, isn't it, of someone who's uh, who's played really nicely and also competitively, and shows that you don't have to be, you know, the um, th- flipping tables and calling up rule queries all the time to uh, to to win your games. You you just be a nice guy, play the game, but actually know exactly how to play it. And with a mummock, no less. I, I know Dan's very good with a mummock; he's played with them a lot. But it just shows that you know, a good player can can do a lot of good stuff, even with something that perhaps traditionally isn't as competitive like a mummock. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you think about the scenarios that we had. We had a, a very large, well, we had normal domination, but we had um, heirlooms. We had a nine point capture and control. You know, we had some really objective heavy scenarios. And for Dan to still do as well as he did just shows his class as a player. To then get, you know, the most sporting um, victory as well is just incredible. And, and finally, you know, looking ahead, obviously this, this one's been limited in numbers and uh, the whole league is limited in numbers at the moment. The events generally are, uh, around the country are, are limited in the way that they do things. I know I've, I've had to cancel my, my tournament because of the capacity in places and the, the venue's concerns about social distancing and all that sort of stuff. As, as obviously I know you work here now, um, how, how are you coping with that in terms of looking ahead? Can you fit more people in is it going to be this as a capacity for now or you know um what, what's what's the future look like i suppose for events um the future is definitely bright because we're always optimistic with things like that um we don't have the biggest play space in the world but we've used it intelligently um and also we we know where to draw the line so we you know we we followed all of the guidance that is available to us with spacing um, and we looked at what realistically we could we could fit in here while everyone would still feel comfortable and also no one's breaking any rules um, we could fit more people in the store if we used more of the shop space or some of the private hire rooms, but you end up sort of dividing the fun a little bit. You don't get the atmosphere if everybody's in different sections. Um, so I think for now, we'll probably stay at our capacity of 24. Um, we've had some really good feedback over the weekend. and People are really happy with it. Um, and, but again, it's, it's government guidance that we have to follow. Um, and it's the same on our, on our weeknights. We're, we're picking up quite a lot of... Um, a lot of returning players. I think everyone's sort of had all this time off and they've painted lots of uh, you know projects and armies and, and then they want to use them. So they're quite enthusiastic to get back. Um, so it's nice to see everyone so enthusiastic, but it's all baby steps. Um, and I know that's frustrating for some people. But um, it is the way it is, and we just, yeah, one step at a time. Yeah, yeah, and I know there are other events that are sort of big, large events. You know, we've had huge events like Articon cancelled, understandably. But even coming up to to October, there's uh, uh, the Steve Crow's event that's about, I think it... Is listed about 80 or 100 and realistically at the moment unless the rules change that's probably not going to happen in the way it is but I suppose we're all creative people we can we can come up with ways around these things largely so hopefully uh, even if big events like that are, are hamstring in some way that at least something will come out of it in the end. Yeah, I think one of the, the benefits of the GBHL is we're very robust as an organisation. I say like we're a charity or something but um, as the players that have, have been here and are on the committee, we've been around for so long that you know we we know how to run things and, and we can adapt to change. And even if we didn't run an event until January, you know we'd still bounce back. The numbers on the you know, on the Facebook page are still increasing. There's still people very keen. Um, I'm the the owner of the competitive players forum. We're getting daily requests, so the, the interest is still there. Um, and so it's a cry and shame that obviously a lot of people have had to cancel or defer their events to next year. But, you know, eventually this will all blow over and, and we'll find ourselves in a place where we're A, allowed and B, comfortable to return to, you know, what was normal. Um, and all of the events all just bounce back because it's what we do. Um, you know, 
it, it can't be too far on the horizon where we're travelling up to Stirling and down to you know down to London for seven stones. You know, it will it will come round again. Um, and I think a lot of people need to remember that. I, I understand it's frustrating. Will, uh, Will, thanks very much for talking to me again. And uh, I, I agree with all the uh, good comments you've had because it has been a fantastic event and a brilliant return to the GBHL. Thank you very much. And uh, it's, it's always a pleasure. Will Champion there, talking to me at the end of Rings of Men. I did, I think I did in one of the interviews at least say Kings of Men. It wasn't, it wasn't Kings of Men, it was Rings of Men. Either way, uh, it was a fantastic tournament. And <laughs> I, I'm, I'm coming to you after this tournament now with a very, very bittersweet kind of joyous um, excitement of the fact that we could do this tournament. It was allowed, it was legal, it had 24 players, um, or it might have been 22 in the end, but played seven games with all of these people in the same room, and it was fantastic to catch up with everyone and playing uh, meeting lots of new people uh, lots of the uh, you know I think about half of the games that I played were against uh, or maybe just under half but new players that I'd never played against before so that was fantastic the some of the d- art on display I mean you can't call it anything but art I mean uh, just have a check out the video on the Entmoot channel the 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 work that um, Aiden in particular did on uh, and and sorry Aiden and Aaron did in particular on theirs is that outstanding outstanding stuff I mean Aaron's pirate ship contraption which I have seen before was just amazing to see up close um, with these guys hanging off the rigging and the Corsairs were just uh, just fabulous and uh, Aidan's um, journey to uh, sort of journey to Rivendell list um, and the art that went into that is just just beautiful absolutely beautiful I can't really uh, can't really fault it and lots of other armies that I, I didn't I didn't get a chance to spend a lot of time with but there was a beautiful Easterling army that I didn't play against but which is gorgeous as well and and loads and loads of other ex- excellent painting on display it was lovely to see all that all that work all that uh, effort gone into it and to catch up with lots of people um, who I haven't seen in, a, in many many months including uh, including of course Will at, at the top and then um, at the end that we've just spoken to and, and many of the other players have played against as well and, and just saw so it was, it was lovely to do that um, sadly as, as I'm recording this um, that won't be allowed to happen again really um, uh, there's there's now new restrictions in in the UK if you're listening from the outside of the UK uh, called the rule of six meaning you're not allowed to interact with people outside of groups of six people uh, there is some sort of almost gaming of the system happening where some people are saying well actually if we have a tournament we're only interacting with one person at a time so you have a game with that person and then you're out of your bubble and you come back And but I think that's against the kind of the intention of the rules and maybe even against the law I don't know but either way um, events are certainly uh, GBHL events are cancelled uh, or the, the accrediting um, the uh, events with GBHL points is is not happening for the foreseeable again Um and and largely, I hate it. I just hate this because I want to get back to tournaments. You want to get back to tournaments. People want to hear, hear Toy Soldiers again. And we all obviously, you know, this is completely in our own little bubble of isolation uh, to co- use two words that are used in many different ways according to this uh, virus. But, you know, we want, we're, we're thinking mainly about our, our, our hobby and our, our joy of this. But of course, there's lots of other reasons to do it. And and it's, it, I, must, I must say it was compelling watching, uh, looking at the graphs uh, when the government recently announced the uh, the the changes that they, you know, that the, the graph of showing people in their 20s um, and the 
number of cases of the virus going up there uh, massively and 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 feeling a little bit guilty because actually I'd spent the weekend at this event I mean nobody from what I know has caught COVID from it so that's good um, and you know it was very well organized there was masks and there was cleaning of hands there was space everywhere there was ventilation um, I even brought a selfie stick to stick my microphone on so I didn't have to get up, up close to anybody and uh, you know all that sort of stuff so it does feel sad because you think well actually uh, that was largely pretty safe but i guess it's against the spirit of it and and um that means that events aren't going to happen again for a while maybe not even this year who knows with that in mind though there's lots of exciting stuff on the horizon so um i mentioned uh, before about my tournament which i had intended to go ahead i hinted earlier at the start of this episode it's not it's not happening anymore i mean uh, i was i'd cancelled it just before um these new rules came out but these new rules would mean it's absolutely impossible so i'm pushing that to february at least um i'm aiming for the end of february early march so those of you uh, if you don't already know uh, do check out the facebook event page i have put a big uh plastered a big banner over it to say it's happened but uh, if you have missed that apologies um if you listening to this and going what that's news to me get in touch with me and let me know if you need a refund obviously i'll refund anyone who wants to but also keep your ticket if you if you want to uh, just shift it over to uh to next year that's fine i haven't got a set date yet because the league is still being planned for next year so um apologies about that but i will finalize it as soon as possible and and sort it out but also uh, you know big plans for for october's event next year already very much excited about this because i think i think this is going to be something pretty special actually um i'm in talks with a bigger venue that can host up to at least 100 players so we're talking 50 tables we're talking huge stuff and I, I without promising anything I want it to be the best tournament I could possibly put on um, so I'm very excited about that and gonna gonna get some um, some cool people from the community involved and maybe maybe uh, maybe we'll be able to attract even more special uh, people than that we'll find out uh, in October next year but we'll see we'll see what happens um, we'll see uh, either way it's gonna be bigger and better because I, I feel like people are missing out people want to come to my event and they keep leaving messages I've got a reverse a reserve list of 10 even though it's full and the event's been cancelled so um, all of these things uh, either way obviously um, that again means my podcast is going to change again I was very excited at the start of this when I was recording this isn't this amazing we've got an event uh, so there won't be any more um, podcast events perhaps this year but I am working on more um, other stuff and I might do a few different style things where I pull together a few games over a few weeks uh, I'm doing another slow grow with my uh, local um, local uh, local shop local community so um, we are still able to have games and that I will definitely do. So anyway, it's all not all it's not not all doom and gloom. Uh, another thing worth keeping an eye out if you're if you follow my um, my Facebook uh, sorry my YouTube channel, there's something very cool coming. Oh my god, it's so cool! You are gonna love it, absolutely love it. If you, I don't want to without I don't want to spoil it. But um, if you've ever watched any of my videos before, there's one video in particular that uh, that is, is one of the best um, that I've done. I'm very proud of that one. And I thought, actually, I want to do this sort of thing again. So I've done it. And it's 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 going to be awesome. You're going to love it. Go over to Battle Games in Middle Earth, the YouTube channel right now. Subscribe to it. Get the little bell notification so you know when it pops up because it's going to be the next video on the channel. It's going to be there very soon. 
and you're going to love it. And if you don't subscribe and get the notification, you'll see it because people will want to comment on it. They'll want to um, message, uh, share it, and they'll want to mention it because this is so fucking good, so good. Like I, I am excited, so excited about it. So, um, without tooting my own horn, I mean it's not me that makes it good. It's what it is that makes it good. So I, I'm very, very excited about that. Uh, I may even end up doing two, two bits and some more stuff. So either way. Now this podcast is done and out of the way, give it a week, give it, give it a little bit more than a week uh, if you're listening to this as it is, uh, but either way, keep an eye on the YouTube channel, search Battle Games in Middle Earth on YouTube and uh, have a look at the videos and if you don't don't see anything that's particularly exciting uh, in the, the first, uh, first or so videos that have been uploaded or the most recently uploaded videos, just click subscribe and notify because notify, you'll know what it is when it comes. So that is exciting. So we don't need to think about uh, tournaments and whatnot. We can be very excited for the various other bits and bobs that are coming out. And there's lots to look forward to. You know, th- this tournament was brilliant. Um, it was great to see everyone. Um, but, you know, the it, it, just this year, it's, it's a bit of a washout, let's be honest, for, for loads of different ways of life. So let's just look on the positives, look at all the things that we've managed to achieve, painted our armies with... We've uh, zoomed each other. We've had quizzes over the internet. With uh, new podcasts been launched, uh, and I, I'm pretty sure I can't remember whether Out of the Firing Pan was launched this year, but it was. It's been brilliant. I've enjoyed that. Uh, a new one's just been launched, The Unexpected Party, and I've listened to most of that. Uh, their first episode, literally in the last uh, hour or two, which is why I've finished editing the podcast. Uh, so uh, I really hope you guys uh, stick it up if you're uh, carry uh, carry on with it if you're listening to this. So uh, it's been it's awesome. Uh, check it out, Unexpected Podcast, and um, loads of. YouTube channels as well. Guardians of Wiltshire have, have sprung out of this. Battle streams in Middle Earth have sprung out of this. The Zorp Zorp live stream has sprung out of all of this. Uh, and I've recently discovered loads of other channels as well. Like the, the DZHL has got a really cool um, stream, which is an unexpected podcast, I think, as well. I may be wrong about that. But either way, it's a YouTube thing where they all chat and they have some really insightful discussions about army lists and whatnot. So there's just so much out there. And half of this wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the virus outbreak. I know it's not good in many ways, but hey, every cloud has a silver lining, eh? So with that in mind, it's not ideal, but keep on plugging away. Get in touch with the podcast if you have any comments, if you're excited about the upcoming stuff, if you want to uh, let me know how my armies went. Have a comment about the black darts uh, and whether it can see through people get in touch if you think you know the riddles in the dark uh, Podcast at gmail.com like the thing on Facebook so you can see it when I upload the new podcasts and I, you can see it when I share a link to the new video and subscribe to Battle Games in Middle Earth and if you want to support the content I make including this new thing uh, search Battle Games in Middle Earth Patreon uh, just have a click on that and um, if you think what I do is well worth uh, you know supporting um, whether it's just paying for the, the travel backwards and forwards um, to do the thing that I'm doing uh, I'm talking about uh, or to pay for equipment to improve the quality which I've uh, done massively with the video stuff and and or just to, to pay for the hosting of the podcast help chip in if you want uh, I'm, I'm gonna keep doing this for free so don't worry about it if you're uh, if you don't want to or if you think god who, who's he begging for bloody money again uh, so if you want to patreon.com slash battle games in middle earth uh, and in the meantime 
enjoy it enjoy your games if you get any games in enjoy them uh, they, they might, you might suddenly be on local lockdown you might uh, you might find that you you aren't able to go to your shops in uh, a month's time you might have to have to curb everything you're doing so enjoy the games that you have uh, keep it safe wash your hands and all that sort of stuff uh, and enjoy it until next time here on Entmook Podcast Boo-ra-rum. 